The following is a presentation of Tomorrow's World. The world has seen great empires rise and fall, and sometimes rise again. Yet others seem to have just disappeared into the pages of history. Believe it or not, the ancient Assyrian Empire does exist today, and it's about to rise to world dominance again. Is that important to you? Well, you better believe it, because it's going to be the power that replaces the United States of America and the English-speaking nations in the next few years. In fact, Bible prophecy reveals that it will rule over the whole world. Now, how can I be so dogmatic and sure in what I say? Well, I can because Bible prophecy reveals these people as the last great superpower before Jesus Christ returns to establish God's kingdom on earth. You need to understand these prophecies and you need to be ready for some hard times as future events come together to fulfill what God has promised. Stay tuned. The Bible is the most up-to-date book that you can own. This wonderful book from God gives us practical guidance for life. It gives us sound advice for marriage, financial wisdom, and even how to deal with our boss. All of this helpful wisdom can be found in your Bible. How to live the Christian life is, of course, the fundamental subject that you will find. But did you know that the Bible also covers the identities of both ancient and modern nations. Some countries have kept their old biblical names, such as Greece, Libya, Egypt, and Ethiopia. They're still where they were thousands of years ago in Bible times and are basically the same people today. Other nations have names that they have given themselves which are different to their Bible names. For example, the Bible calls the people of Cyprus Kittim, and the Arabs are named after their father Ishmael as Ishmaelites. Most Arabs today still know who their patriarch was and will acknowledge him as Ishmael, son of Abraham. One of the ancient nations of Mesopotamia was Assyria, who descended from their father Asher. He is mentioned as one of the sons of Shem in Genesis chapter 10, verse 22. There we read... The sons of Shem were Elam, Asher, Arphaxad, Lud, and Aram. This makes the Assyrians cousins of the Israelites who descended from Abraham, who was six generations after Arphaxad. In fact, the Assyrians and Israelites have had times of war and aggression between them for thousands of years. And believe it or not, these same people fought two world wars last century. So can you guess who the Assyrians are today? I'm going to answer that question soon because you may well be descended from them. The Assyrians lived in the northern part of modern-day Iraq on the Tigris River. Their capital was Nineveh, named after their king Ninus. 
One little known fact of history is that Ninus had a son named Trebata. Now, when Ninus died, his queen, who was named Semiramis and was the stepmother of Trebata, despised him. So he fled to the western part of Europe, where he established a city which is known as Trier. Here in this ancient German city is a plaque on the Red House, which states that Trier is 1,300 years older than Rome. Now, the Romans claim that their city was founded in 753 BC, which would then mean that Trier was established by the Assyrian prince around 2000 BCE. Now, this fits very well with the chronology of Trebata, Ninus, and Semiramis. So when the Assyrians left their home several hundred years later, like many people who planned to migrate, they looked for somewhere where their own people had already settled. Such was the case with Trier and the surrounding area. That is what happened with Trier and Germany. The Assyrians settled in Germany between the second century BCE and the second century AD. God used the Assyrians to punish the Israelites for their wickedness and their pagan idolatry. In 2 Kings chapter 17, verses 16 and 17, we read this. So they, that's Israel, left all the commandments of the Lord their God, made for themselves a molded image and two calves, made a wooden image and worshipped all the host of heaven and served Baal. And they caused their sons and daughters to pass through the fire. That was human sacrifice. They practiced witchcraft and soothsaying, and they sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. What was the result? Well, let's read verse 6. In the ninth year of Hoshea, the king of Assyria took Samaria and carried Israel away to Assyria and placed them in Halah, and by the uh, Habor, the river of Gozan, and in the cities also of the Medes. Almost the whole of Israel went into captivity under the Assyrians. For centuries, Assyria and Israel lived side by side. The Israelites lost their Hebrew language and adopted the Indo-Germanic language. But the Assyrian Empire was to be short-lived. And in 612 BCE, the Babylonians captured Nineveh, their principal city, and the Assyrians were never again to be a power in the region. Between the second century BCE and then the third century AD, the Assyrians began a move northwestward into Europe. Now the Israelites traveled alongside them so that these two nations who spoke similar languages went into northwestern Europe. The Israelites settled on the northwest coast as the Angles, Saxons, and Jutes. There were also descendants of Israel in northern France, in Belgium, the Netherlands, and Scandinavia. While the Assyrians, they inhabited the rich alluvial lands along the Rhine, Elbe, and Oder rivers, as well as settling in Austria to become the Germans of today. The ancient Assyrians, with their militaristic traits and tendencies, are the modern Germans. 
Be sure to phone now or write for Resurgent Germany, a Fourth Reich. Writing about the Assyrians becoming the Germans, William Smith's classical dictionary states the following. There can be no doubt that they were a branch of the great Indo-Germanic race who along with the Celts migrated into Europe from the Caucasus and the countries around the Black and Caspian Seas. That's from William Smith's classical dictionary of Greek and Roman biology. Soon after arriving in the Rhine region, these Assyrian people joined other tribes in taking advantage of the Roman Empire's weakness. As the Roman army withdrew back to Rome, these warlike people filled the vacuum. If you would like to learn more about this fascinating subject, call today for our free article which we have reprinted from the pages of our magazine, Tomorrow's World. It's called Resurgent Germany, a Fourth Reich. This article will give you further proof and insight into the German people. You will see that God has a special purpose for this European country, but not before they learn to trust in God and not their own power and might. To view the Tomorrow's World telecast or request today's free offer, visit us online at tomorrowsworld.org. And remember to find us on Facebook and be sure to follow us on Twitter. This offer you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Tomorrow's World magazine keeps you up to date with world trends, Bible prophecy, and the very meaning of life itself. Tomorrow's World. Call now. Welcome back to Tomorrow's World, where we're discussing the fact that the ancient people of Assyria are to be found today in the regions of Germany and Austria. So far, we have learned that the ancient empire of Assyria soon broke up after its defeat by the Babylonians in 607 BCE and later made several waves of migration into Europe. Much of these migrations took place at the same time the Roman Empire was expanding into the continent and the Roman army clashed with these people whom they named Germans or literally war men. It's now time for us to put history and Bible prophecy together. We've established the historical links of the Assyrians to the modern Germans, but what does the Bible say about the Assyrians? In Isaiah chapter 10, we read a detailed prophecy for the years ahead of us when God will use the modern-day Assyrians or Germans to punish a rebellious house. Let's turn there. Woe to Assyria, the rod of mine anger, and the staff in whose hand is my indignation. I will send him against an ungodly nation, and against the people of my wrath I will give him charge. That's the Israelites, or the modern-day British and American people, to seize the spoil, take the prey, and to tread them down like the mire of the streets. Who is this ungodly nation? 
Well, when taken in context of the whole book of Isaiah, we can see that this is actually the nation of Israel. And long-term viewers of tomorrow's world will recall that the Bible identifies the nations of Northwestern Europe and the English-speaking peoples of the United States and Britain, as well as the other descendants of Israel. Europe's Café is a French blog written to cover, quote, a wide range of topics relating to the European Union, end quote. In the 23rd January 2013 issue, they stated the following. Germany does not necessarily want to assume political leadership, but the responsibility has been forced upon it because of its economic power and its role in the European Union. As France heads more and more toward economic paralysis, and the United Kingdom continues to show reluctance about her future role in Europe, Germany is being pushed to the top of the European power stakes. She may be an unwilling leader, but history shows that when Germany is number one, she quickly assumes all the power that comes with it, even military power. Angela Merkel is the Chancellor of Germany. In the last 10 years, she has overseen the rise of Germany to become the undisputed economic leader of Europe. Mercedes-Benz cars are an icon of German engineering, and the company produced 1.49 million cars in 2013. According to the CIA World Factbook, Germany is the fifth biggest economy in the world with a gross product of 3.2 trillion dollars a year. Henry Kissinger, who was born in Bavaria, said this. He said, Germany is too big for Europe and too small for the world. <laughs> in Jeremiah chapter 31 and in verse 18, we read of Ephraim's sorrow for his sins. Now, Ephraim was the birthright inheritor of Israel, and we understand that we can identify many of the people of England, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and the English-speaking South Africans with Ephraim. And this is what it says. I have surely heard Ephraim bemoaning himself. You have chastised me, and I was chastened like an untrained bull. Restore me, and I will return. For you are the Lord my God. I was ashamed, yes, even humiliated, because I bore the reproach of my youth. And God's reply, we find that in verse 20. God says, For though I spoke against him, I earnestly remember him still. Therefore my heart yearns for him. I will surely have mercy on him. Today we have this article taken from the pages of Tomorrow's World magazine, which is free when you request it. It sheds further light on the fascinating journey of the Assyrians as they move from the Caucasus to their present home in Central Europe. So far, we have seen that God will use the modern-day Assyrians, the Germans, to punish their old enemy Israel, that is, the English-speaking people. So let us return to that chapter in Isaiah, chapter 10, and see what happens next. In verse 12, we see that Assyria's pride is aroused, and instead of acknowledging that God had used him to punish Israel, he now, allow, he now allows arrogance to rise up in his heart. Notice, therefore, 
It will come to pass when the Lord has performed all his work on Mount Zion and on Jerusalem that he will say, I will punish the fruit of the arrogant heart of the king of Assyria and the glory of his haughty looks. Now, it's worth looking at how the King James Version renders this passage. It says, I will punish the fruit of the stout heart of the king of Assyria. Now, just recently, I was reading a, a book of speeches and I noticed that Adolf Hitler gave a speech right at the time uh, as uh, the Germans were invading Poland. He spoke to the Reichstag in, on September the 1st of 1939. This is what Hitler said. As a national socialist and as a German soldier, I enter upon this struggle with, listen to this, a stout heart. The exact same words that is used in the book of Isaiah to describe the Assyrian and the German heart. He went on to say, if however anyone thinks that we are facing a hard time, I should ask him to remember that once a Prussian king with a ridiculously small state opposed a stronger coalition and in three wars finally came out successful because that state had, listen, that stout heart that we need in these times. What an irony. It is that the expression stout heart should be used for Assyria and German military pride in the Bible and then by Hitler 2,600 years later. Now, if you visit the Pergamon Museum in Berlin, you will see that there are some ideas of what the Assyrians were really like. In the heart of the cultural precinct is a museum that houses many artifacts from Babylon and Assyria. The Assyrian bas-relief carvings reveal warlike kings killing lions and taking their enemies captive. Notice the comparison between the double-headed eagle of Assyria with that of the Prussians. Now look at the Assyrian solar disk and how it was used by the Nazis and the use of the swastika as a symbol then and again in World War II. One of the reasons most people do not know the origins of the German people is that our history books follow just one narrow path. Over 2,000 years, historians have relied almost entirely on the writings of just the Greeks and just the Romans. Herodotus, Pliny and Julius Caesar observed the migrations of these people from a limited perspective and bias. And so this has made the job harder but nevertheless, a clear connection can be established for the migration of the Assyrians into Central Europe. German scholars are divided on the country's future. Some say that the lessons learned by two failed attempts to rule the world in the First and Second World Wars will not allow another war to be led by Germany. But others are not so sure. Let me give some quotes from our reprint article that we're uh, giving to you today research in Germany, a fourth Reich. This article will give you further proof and insight into the German people. Listen to what an Italian visitor to Berlin, Luigi Bazzini, had to say about the Berlin of the 1930s. He had visited Berlin in the early 30s and found it to be the artistic capital of Europe with avant-garde art shows, trailblazing films and experiments of all kinds. But several years later, after the Nazis had come to power, 
he saw a much different Berlin, crowded with stiff men in spotless uniforms, serious businessmen, chic women, and their families. It is the mercurial nature of Germans that has them worried. So be sure to request our free article, Research in Germany, and that's available for you to study at your leisure. All you need to do is call the number on the screen or go to tomorrowsworld.org and request your copy. You will find many quotations, mainly from the Germans themselves, about their nation and their identity. It makes fascinating reading and it will explain what the future is for these people. To view the Tomorrow's World telecast or request today's free offer, visit us online at tomorrowsworld.org. And remember to find us on Facebook and be sure to follow us on Twitter. With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Tomorrow's World magazine keeps you up to date with world trends, Bible prophecy, and the very meaning of life itself. Tomorrow's World. Call now. Welcome again to Tomorrow's World. We've noticed that Germany is prone to sudden changes of direction and, given the right circumstances, can quickly adapt to new challenges. It seems that Germany can morph like one of those advertisements where one image changes into another by a series of changing frames. Germany has been described as a country of promising beginnings, dramatic changes and abrupt breakdowns. Now, why is this so? It seems that Germany reacts to crises either real, imagined, or sometimes engineered. European observer Dominic Sandbrook headlined an article in the Mail Online recently with this. Angela Merkel has made Germany master of Europe in a way that Hitler and Kaiser Wilhelm only dreamt of. The implications are frightening. Psalm 83 is a most unusual prophecy in light of what is happening right now for the modern nations of Israel, that is, the modern English-speaking countries and other European countries. It's actually a testament to God's prophetic powers that King David could write such an accurate prophecy for these days. Firstly, we need to know who the nations are that are mentioned. As we read through, we will identify these people by their modern names. So let's begin in verse 1, and we're going to go through to verse 5. Uh, do not keep silent, O God. Do not hold your peace, and do not be still, O God. For behold, your enemies make a tumult, and those who hate you have lifted up their head. They have taken crafty counsel against your people and consulted together against your sheltered ones. They have said, Come, let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may be remembered no more, for they have consulted together with one consent. They form a confederacy against you. Have you heard Middle Eastern leaders using words like, 
let us drive Israel into the sea, or we will destroy Israel as they set out to build an atomic bomb to achieve it. The Arabs know they are Ishmael, and Osama bin Laden was from a wealthy Saudi Arabian family. Now, who are the Edomites? Well, in Roman times, they were known as Edomians, and the family of King Herod was from that tribe. One of their main cities was Bosra, and today we find a city in southern Iraq called Basra. Did part of Edom move to that region? Possibly. Now, next mentioned are Moab and the Hagarites. The southern people of Jordan, most probably, are those people today. Three more enemies of Israel are then mentioned, including Amalek. Now, Haman of the book of Esther was an Amalekite who wanted to have every Jew in the Persian kingdom killed, but he failed. The next two are Philistia and Tyre. Now, it's quite evident who they are today because they still live where they have for millennia. But then comes a most unusual ally of these Middle Eastern tribes. Listen to this. Assyria has also joined with them. Here we have that ancient enemy of Israel joining an existing confederacy that wants to drive Israel into the sea. Will we see a German-led European army come into the Middle East to take control of Jerusalem as a so-called peacekeeping force? You can expect to see that scenario develop. Right now, Germany is on the point of balance. They can choose to take a non-involved role in the world politics, as they have done since 1945, or they can begin to flex their economic and, finally, military muscle. And what could tip that balance? Well, it would take a crisis. The crisis, or a series of crises, could start with a sudden and dramatic loss of American power and influence. A collapse of the dollar of 1929 proportions, a global flu epidemic, or a constitutional paralysis of the US government could all conspire to cause a global shift in power. Whatever it takes, we know that Germany is set to play a vital part in the future. But what of the long-term future of Germany? Well, here's the good news for the German people. Prophecy actually reveals that when Jesus Christ returns to establish God's government on earth, he will use three great nations. Let's turn to Isaiah 19. We're going to read verses 24 and 25. In that day, Israel will be one of three with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing in the midst of the land, whom the Lord of hosts shall bless, saying, Blessed is Egypt, my people, and Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, my inheritance. What a wonderful outcome for the people of Germany. God doesn't hate Germans. He loves them. And just as Israel will have to be punished, so too will the Germans. We might say, all's well that ends well. Now, once again, request your free copy of Resurgent Germany, a Fourth Reich. Simply call the number on your screen or request it at tomorrowsworld.org and get the answer to this question. And be sure to join us again next week when Roderick Meredith or Richard Ames bring you the good news of tomorrow's world. Wallace Smith and I will also give you information 
that will help you understand your Bible. Until then, goodbye, friends. To view the Tomorrow's World telecast or request today's free offer, visit us online at tomorrowsworld.org. And remember to find us on Facebook and be sure to follow us on Twitter. The preceding program is produced by the Living Church of God.